show you today kind of who we are, what we're doing, you know, kind of what we're specializing. This is more of a macro view of what we're here to build. So I want you to take notes today because it's mostly for new people, but this, this is the stuff, there's gonna be a little bit of role playing in here today because I want you guys to understand taxes, right? Taxes and our tax now, tax later, tax advantage presentation is probably the most profound presentation that we have. Um, it makes you look like a rock star. You know, it's what people need to learn. They just don't know where to go, right? We like presenting, in, not using a bunch of graphs and charts, but really old school, just you know, on a yellow pad of paper and a pen, um, because we want people to be able to digest this information simply, right? So before we get into that, I think it's important that you know really what our three-step focus is here, and what difference is about, right? Is what what we're here is we want to be industry pros right in the financial services and insurance space um you know when i first when someone first told me about you know go getting my life insurance license being an agent i i felt like that it just turned me off big time i was like there i have absolutely just hearing about it i have no desire whatsoever to do that um i to me i was like be like a, like a state farm guy like i that 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 appeals to me zero right at all you feel like that, right, when you first kind of heard about this? But I just didn't know what I didn't know, right? And so this is not, we're not just life insurance agents here for the status of just being a traditional life insurance agent. You're more of an agent with a strong financial advisor background, right? Because financial advisors don't know what we know in the insurance world, but we have to know what they know, right? Because we're always taking their business, right? And so we have to be really knowledgeable in what do broker-dealers like the Edward Jones, right? Now Isaac just took a client from Edward Jones this week, $230,000 case. And, you know, they, why did they leave Isaac? Why did they leave Edward Jones to go with you? It was interesting in the first, in the first five minutes, the, the guy stopped me. He's like, just now you gave me way more value than what Edward Jones gave me that you won already just because of the phase they are in in their life. They are ready to start withdrawing money and they're not in the face of being at risk anymore. And they understand that and that's what I was able to provide for them. And that's where they decided to move forward because of lifetime. Lifetime withdrawals for him and his wife. Yes. And that's something that even most individuals like us don't know how to do. Exactly. Right, and so when it comes to that, here's really like we do a lot of products and services, which I'll show you, but everything is the foundation of what we do is with these three strategies. We want to help people win in the tax game, right? You should write this down. This is copious notes today, okay? Because when you sit down with someone and say, look, bottom line, man, what, what, what do you guys do, right? What's, what's your valuation point? It's really these three strategies on what gets us in the door on why we're crushing right now. Because we're going to teach you how taxes work, and this is something that most people don't know. The next thing is principal protection, right? Is we teach people how to be in a position still to earn interest on their money with market performance, with the absolute contractual guarantee that they're never gonna lose a single penny if the market should crash. It's a huge, huge advantage that we have um, for so many people, especially in middle-class America. People are very risk-averse right now, 
even people that have been in the stock market for a long time, you know, people are starting to see the writing on the wall, like, oh my, the crash is, another crash is probably gonna come. And I don't wanna get caught with my pants down. You know, like, I wanna, I wanna move my money, but where? Right, so we come with a strategy like, hey, we're gonna put you in a position that if the market goes up, you'll still earn, but if the market crashes, you won't lose a dime. And if you're like me, I was like, how is that possible? Right, it's very possible. Just people don't know about it. So that's a huge part of what we're teaching. And then, we are huge advocates of lifetime income. So, we want people to have a guaranteed lifetime income stream that they'll never outlive. We want people to have a guaranteed lifetime income stream. Now for our generation, I see in this room, and I think I'm the oldest one in here, I'm 39, I don't want to bet on social security. Even though they're taking it from your taxes right now, I wouldn't count on it that that's probably going to be a feasible strategy that may be there for you, right? Look at our government. Our government is, our government is an advisor. Our government is, is just right now throwing money left and right. We're $20 trillion in debt. You know, at some point we have to hit the reset button for this, right? And so who knows what they're going to do with that Social Security Trust Fund. And the Social Security Trust Fund they're saying right now could be exhausted by 2032. That's what they're saying, right? Now, I don't know, that's gonna be based on powers that be, but for us, it's like, well, we're bringing the pension back. So what all this comes down to is what is a pension? What Stabi stability. Yeah, you talked about a pension, right? Is that if you, you work for the union, you be a bartender, you get a pension. What is a pension? People will stay at a job they don't like for 20 years all because they offer a pension. Think about that. I will ride this crappy job out for 20 years because they're going to give me a pension. Why do they do that? And what is a pension? What is a pension? You give uh, a company 20, 30 years and they give you a check for the rest of your life when you retire. That's exactly right. right? And so most companies, right, only 4% of, of companies in the country offer pensions to their employees. 4%. Everybody has gone to what? 401k. 401k. Right? So prior to the 401k, which came out in 1981, everyone offered their employees pensions. Mm -hmm. Right? Well, now, when pensions were taken off, 401ks were added. Now, the 401k is the company's way of saying, if you retire, that's your responsibility, not ours. You got to contribute. But we're not going to, you know, we'll match you up to 3% or 5%. Those are company tax dollars that are deductible for the corporation, right? So right now we're starting to realize that the 401k is not all what it's cracked up to be, what you'll learn today through the tax side. It's not, and it is the number one retirement plan in America. So what we do, there's only 15,000 people in the country that know how to put pensions together. It's a very, very niche minority thing, right? And what we're bringing back is that very solution to the masses. So now what we're saying is, you know what? Oh, my company has crappy benefits, but I love what I do. I say, well, you guess what? You don't need your company anymore. What you need is yourself, right? You can save your own money and get your own pension. Really? Yeah, really, right? How do we do that? We're gonna help you with that, right? Let's get you the education first. So this is what we're focused on right now. This is what's how we're crushing it right now, right? Is because this industry is so good, guys. 
You know, the more I do it, the more my belief and my conviction in it grows. And it's not really something that I believe is radical out of this world, like I'll never learn that stuff. It's really rooted more in common sense, it's just not common knowledge. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And that's really what our job is, right? We're not this pitchy, you know, company. We're really a company that we kind of thrive on the passion to educate people. Like, I love that, right? The more you're passionate about educating people here, the more money you're gonna make. You don't have to focus on the money, right? You don't. You just have to focus on what you have to deliver and the money is the natural consequence of that. And the delivery part here is value through education, right? And everybody wants that. Nobody likes being sold, including you guys, right? I hate it when people try to sell me, right? There's no relationship. You know what I'm talking about? Salespeople are just like, you know, they, they try to push their product or their service on you. <coughs> And there's no real need. They haven't even established if there is a need. You know, those kind of salespeople are kind of being, that the evolution of sales and technique selling is, is kind of going out the door, right? Because of the information age. People now want to be educated. So why our sales is so good is because people say, well, I just go redo my research online. Go do your research online on this stuff and you're going to be overwhelmed with jargon that you don't understand how to decipher, right? You need someone to say, can you explain this in English for me, right? Yeah, we can do that for you. Thank you so much for breaking it down, Barney stuff. That's what we do so good. And then there's intimacy, and there's relationship, and there's rapport, and people want that, right? You know, and so that was one of, you know, for Isaac being 26, you know, he's dealing with people who are twice his age, who are pretty much, this couple, what they did is they gave him their entire life savings. That's wild. Right? I'm sorry. Right? <laughs> And that takes somebody with confidence and conviction to look them in the eye and be like, I'm gonna take care of you guys, don't worry about it. What, what, what I'm doing for you is the best thing out there, and here's why. And people need to be like, you know what, I feel that. Right, if you, because what, what it takes to win an entrepreneurship is confidence. And if you're not confident in what you're offering, you're not gonna go that far. Does that make sense? So, does this make sense to you guys, right? So to kind of show you a, a picture of the things that you'll learn here, I've been doing this 13, you know, 12 years will be 13 in 2019. Our team has over 100 years of experience combined in terms of this game. And I love the fact right now we are very top heavy with women in Difference Financial. Um, there is an evolution right now that, you know, that's not by design. The reason for that is I think is just where we're at. You know, it's just the times, you know, people now, back in the days, either you're a successful mom or you're a successful career woman. Well, now you could be both, right? And I think that's what I'm starting to see now more. Um, more, more women are answering the call to entrepreneurship than at any time. And we sit with as many people, but the women are the ones that are like, I'm in, let me do that, right? Um, my personal opinion, women are more coachable. They have less ego. Mm -hmm. Right? Men are just are like, well, I get it, but I still want to do it my way, right? Because, you know, like, but your way doesn't work. This is the way it works. Yeah, but it does, I think, just me intuitively, it's going to be better if I do it this way. I'm like, well, keep doing that, right? You know, but women are more like, okay, what do I got to do? And they're, and, and write down coachability. Because coachability is very important in an entrepreneur. Because before you're a great leader, you do got to be a good follower. You know, in coachability, if you define coachability in our business, it's movement at the speed of instruction. 
Does that make sense? It's movement at the speed of instruction. That's what coachability means here. Movement at the speed of instruction. And the things you'll learn today, you'll, you'll take a lot today that even if you're brand new, that you're like, my God, what did you learn at that event? Let me show you, right? It's really eye-opening. Um, these are our niches, right? This is what we serve here, right? Individuals and families, which is pretty much everybody, regardless of income background. I don't care if somebody can save 25 bucks a month or they can save 25,000 bucks a month. You can help them, right? You can help them. We do not scrutinize you or judge you based on your income level. Mm. We're going to meet you where you're at. No judgment. We're going to help you. If you're serious, now if you're not serious, then I can't do nothing about that. But if you're serious about wanting to change your financial state, then we can help you with that. Business owners are huge markets. And what we could do with business owners is radical, man. Right? Radical. And so we do a lot of training on how you can help the tax efficiency and how to set up business owners for their own retirement. And obviously school and public employees, school teachers are a big market. Are a big, big market. You know, they do the 403B, so those are markets that we get into. And you're going to see, like, as you go out there, like, my God, nobody is serving this space. It's completely wide open. It is not saturated at all. Right? The financial service industry in regards to insurance... Guess what the turnover rate is here? Not indifference, but just in the industry. 70% in the first six months? 70% in the first six months, 95% in the first two years. What do you mean by that? By insurance industry, right? People that get their insurance license and come into this industry, whether they're New York Life, Northwestern Mutual, Mass Mutual, um, Prudential, just there is 95% turnover rate in these companies. Why? Because it is a big corporate machine and all they want is quota, 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 sell, 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 sell. And how long can you keep that up before you just burn out? Right? And I know why they're failing, right? And that's what we saw. It's like, well, that's what we want to teach here, which we'll get to here in a second. Here's the things that you're going to learn over time. Um, retirement qualified and unqualified plans. So. What Isaac did for that couple was uh, 401k and IRA rollovers, right? So we're big on 401k rollovers, 403b plans, 457 plans, IRAs, SEP IRAs, simple IRAs, Roth IRAs, index annuities, so on and so forth. We do every type of life insurance you can think of, and life insurance is a valuable tax strategy. Once you understand it, you will today. We're big on debt elimination strategies in three areas, personal credit card debt, consumer debt, student loan debt, and tax debt, right? We have resources and companies that can have, provide a lot of relief there in helping people become debt-free faster. Business solutions uh, for business owners. Uh, we do defined contribution plans, defined benefit plans. Um, there's a plan called 412E3. This is a tax code that can give a business owner up to $350,000 of a tax deduction. That's huge. Right? They have to qualify. It's, it's, it's going to be for someone for high income, little to no employees. Typically like a, like a pediatrician who runs a private practice, right? You know, a dentist who's very small, right? Who makes high income, but the biggest thing that those guys struggle with is taxes, man. Taxes kill them in terms of, because they make high income, but they also pay high taxes. So if you can give them, right, you'll hear this a lot from business owners, like as I sit with them, because it, I was intimidated by business owners when I first started sitting with them, 
And now I realize, man, in, in many ways, they're more screwed up financially than your individuals and families, man. They're very terrible with their money, mm -hmm. for the most part. And the reason why is because they're so focused on keeping the lights on, right? And, and keeping their employees, right? And they, they don't do a lot of self-care. They don't take care of themselves. They're, you know, they have no exit strategy. Like, man, we've been doing this 20 years. I'm like, what's your exit strategy? Can you sell the business? You know, is someone gonna take over? So you got a lot of baby boomers right now that feel stuck in these businesses that they've kind of just been like paycheck to paycheck, even though they've been in business, but there's no exit strategy and they're struggling with taxes. They pay a lot of, an exorbitant amount of money to the IRS, but they don't know on, well, what else is better for me, right? And so those are strategies that we can help you with that and give you an exit strategy, help save you money on taxes. Uh, Non-qualified plans, uh, an executive bonus plan, which is something in the tax code called Section 162, is where a business owner, so let's say I'm a business owner and these are my six employees. Well, sometimes it's not financially, it doesn't financially make sense to do a 401k, especially if the business has a lot of turnover. It's very pricey for the business owner to, um, to administer a 401k plan. Like, you know what, it's just, it, it's just not cost effective to my business, right? But I was like, is there any retirement plan? Like, I, I don't have anything. I was like, then you're gonna lose good people because they're gonna go where there's benefits. So a section 162 plan is basically a way that you can be discriminatory, right? By, by virtue of like, well, maybe I have six employees, but these two are like so vital to the vision and mission of my company. And so I can take care of these two without having legally to take care of everybody else, right? That's possible. Right? Why would someone do that? Because maybe there is gonna be turnover at the lower levels of the company, but I need to lock in these people so that they feel like, hey, my company's taking care of me and I can do that that's in a way that's tax deductible to me, right? And financially beneficial to them. You see that? That's super valuable, right? It's such a unique strategy. When you go to business owners and you sound like, really, that's possible? It's possible. I've never heard of such a thing. So that's where the education comes in, right? It's a big deal, guys, right? It's a big deal what we could do here. So we're also partnered up with some of the best companies uh, in the space. We work with so many different companies. So people say, Carla, I've never heard of Difference Financial. Um, we are a broker, right? And what that means is we work with many different companies in the marketplace, many. And that is huge in terms of what, what separates us from a New York Life or a Northwestern Mutual. These are big, big companies of Prudential. What separates us, those are captive companies, right? So what is the difference between captive and non-captive? If you're a captive company and I work at New York Life, then all I could offer you is New York Life products. Right? So if you're a New York Life agent and I'm like, well, you know, I heard that, you know, Allianz has this great product, my brother has some stuff there, can you offer me them? No. I can't do that, right? But let me tell you why this product is better than Allianz. Right now you're selling, right? So I don't really have to really sell, I just represent the client, the consumer well, to figure out what is it that that person wants, and then I'm just gonna go shop and find the best company that meets their need. And then that company compensates us and we don't charge them. Isn't that fantastic? 
this is such a beautiful thing, guys, right? Right, you, you get compensated to help people do something that they know they need to do anyway, which is save money for themselves. So that's our belief and our conviction here. It's like, if you're not saving money for your retirement, then what are you doing? Right? There, you know, and there's people that are walking around out there like there is some sort of unconscious safety net out there that somebody, like I think the U.S. government will probably, there's a program maybe that will take care of me and my family because I didn't say it properly. No. No, they're not. Isaac's mom is the head manager at a at assisted living home and she says, it's sad to me that I have to turn away people because they have no insurance, they have no money, and they're trying to put their mom in an assisted living care, and they can't afford to give them at home the care that they need. And like, how much does it cost to put her in here? $6,500 a month. Like, well, we don't have that. Well, we can't take her if you have no insurance. You know, and it sucks. She's like, I literally have to throw people out in the street, right? And it's sad, but it's, it's true. You know, and she's like, because people think, doesn't the government take care of this? No, they don't. They don't take care of that. You know, and so people have, they, they need a wake-up call. If you're not saving for yourself, like, and that's really, a, to me, it's like, if you're not investing in yourself, then why should anyone else invest in you? That's how we look at it here. This is really serious as a heart attack for us. And we have the power behind us. You know, and so it's that good, guys, right? The experience you'll get on the field is priceless. So that's number three. Make sense? Good stuff? Yes. Okay. Number two is entrepreneurship as a lifestyle, right? Teaching entrepreneurship, how to run a business. And obviously our favorite, our favorite uh, diagram that really shows that, I share this with everybody now, and, and I think it's important that you share this with people if you have not is this slide right here. Like you gotta understand that there are, you know, you can, you can work harder and not smarter, right? And, you know, Bob Proctor said this, he's like, you do not work hard for money. Working hard for money, if you think working harder than anyone else is gonna get you to financial freedom, that's not true, right? I know a lot of people that work hard and they're broke, right? It's working smarter. Right? It's it redirect wherever focus goes, energy flows. You ever heard that? Right? Well focus on being a true business owner. Right? So this is where this is the only the cash flow quadrant is really valuable because as an employee, you have a job. I don't knock a job. It's just this active income. Right? You're renting your time. Anybody ever felt like that person? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And it's just the corporate machine, like right now, there is no loyalty, right, anymore in the corporate world. I mean, it really is, the bigger the company is, you do become a number, you know, and there is no intimacy, there's no, uh, you know, and I never worked there, these are just things that I see and hear from, from other people. And to me, it's like, I, want, I wanted to create a company and a space here where you mean something here, your, your, your contribution matters, you're, you're a human being, you know, you, you have a lot of value to offer. We want to be able to give you a space where you can contribute and create value, right? Where you're not just a number that we see and go sell, 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 and all we see you is as a money sign, like you're a person, you have values, you have gifts, and we just need to create a space where you can share those gifts, you know? And that's something that is very contrary to society. And so what people are doing right now is like, well, I don't know enough about business, but I'm so tired of my job, I'm gonna go start something. 
and they move into self-employed, right? So what are examples of self-employed? Barbershops. Being a barber. Massage therapist. Massage therapist. Photography. Right, yeah, you know, photographer. Right. A personal trainer, <laughs> right? That is and, very personal. Right. That is very simple. <laughs> and great things. You're offering a great value, you know. It, it just comes at an expense of your time, right? And if you love it and you're like, I can do this 12, 15 hours a day, then that's great. Just know that you can't be there for your kids or you can't be there for your partner or you can't be there for the people that you want to spend time with. You can't, hey, we're taking a, a great vacation, we're going four weeks, we're going to travel, you know, Malaysia, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I can't do that because I have clients, right? It hurts business. And when you're self-employed and people come like, hey, can you do it here today? I have an emergency wedding I'm going to. Like, I'm sorry, I'm gone on vacation. Then they're forced to go somewhere else and they're like, this was better than my last person. And you lost a client. Right, and that's what happens a lot in that space. So, you you give a lot of time. So basically, is instead of owning a business, you simply just own a job. Right, and so what we want to teach you here is being a business owner is you have to implement systems. Right, you own a system, and system stands for save yourself time, energy, and money. You know our system, right? And I get it. It's the, our system is so easy that it will invoke your ego big time. The more like you are, the more you're a DIY person, you know what DIY means? Do it yourself. Yeah. The more DIY you are, the more you'll struggle in difference. Because you're like, yeah, I get it, but I'll just do it myself. And you realize that every time you try to do something yourself, you just keep locking yourself more into the self-employed quadrant, right? You need to, this is why leadership is one of our core values here, because you need to learn there is an art form to delegation, right? You can't do it by yourself. And if you're always trying to do it by yourself, you're going to struggle, right? To reach the success, to reach the pinnacle of success, you can't do it alone, right? Success and difference is measured on how many people you get to success with you. It is not a self-gratification thing, like, well, I'm the only one standing on the mountaintop, everyone else is still trying to get here, right? In order for you to arrive, others must arrive with you or before you, right? You ever heard that saying is that if, if you want to become successful, right, if you want to get what you want, you must first help other people get what they want. And that's really the, the core fundamental principle of what difference is. It's not about me, me, me. It's about, well, let me help her get where she wants to be. And if she gets where we want to be, maybe I'll get where I want to be. Very backwards in society, right? It's not like that out there. Out there, it's about, well, let me get, I'm going to get mine before you get yours. Because it's very doggy dog. Does that make sense? So then from there, we move you to be an investor, right? Because you have to learn how to make your money work for you. You know, Kimberly and I are having a great conversation about this. Is, you know, people are becoming more conscious now, right? And people, I love that people are becoming conscious investors, meaning that I'm not just gonna put my money with that company just because I'm gonna get a return and my money's gonna make money. I'm gonna put my money where whatever that company's doing must create a greater value for society. Does that make sense? Right, so if I'm gonna put my money there, what, do they, what does it do to make everything else better? Right? Consciousness. 
right? And just because, you know, someone can be doing something like, well, there's a great cigarette company coming out and people love these cigarettes, well, I'm gonna put my money there because that's gonna crush it. Now, you can do that, right? But does it make people's lives better? The answer is no, right? So people are becoming more conscious of like, well, I wanna put my money where it's going to make an impact, not just money. And now you can do both. Does that make sense? Right, and that's really what we wanna look at is that money is, is a powerful thing if you learn how to leverage your money, right? You know, and that's all we wanna teach you here because it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. Right, and here you're gonna make a lot, but we want you to save a lot. We want you to be very smart with your money. So. Those are the things. So let me show you just a brief intro to our system. Well, I'll show you this. These are the things that we want to master here. Six steps. Very simple. Every entrepreneur needs clients. So you must learn the art of prospecting. Right? How do you obtain leads? How do you get names and numbers? We do it online. We do it offline. There's many ways to do it. And how I market for leads is not for clients. I don't say, hey, Max, you seem like a good guy. You want to save money? I build relationships with people and I say, Max, I'm, are you open to learn more about how money works? It's a very simple question. How many people are open to learning about how money works? Everybody. Everybody is. I lead with that all the time. I didn't say be my client. I didn't say let's do business. I said let's build a relationship and I want to show you some ideas. Right? I prospect like that all the time. So prospecting is the art of getting a name and number. Number two, approaching contact is making phone calls. A dying art form actually people want to build their business by doing everything except making calls and I think you can lead generate online but at the end of the day you still got to get that person on the phone right you still got to get them on the phone they still got to you know like I gave them my email I actually put my number but before I do anything that's going to require me giving my life savings or put my monthly income into something I need to talk to a human being I need to get the warm and fuzzy feeling that where I'm putting my money at makes sense. I need to feel it in my gut. Does that make sense? So you, you got to get good on the phone. And that does come with accepting that there will be some rejection. Right? And that's something that I see a lot of entrepreneurs are just, they become wusses when it comes to rejection. You take it way too personal as if that person knows you or something. Right? People are going to reject you. I get rejected every day. You know, it's okay. You know, and it, we run a law of averages here. And even the best, you know, even the best hitters in baseball, what is a great batting average in baseball, Thomas? You're a baseball player. 300. 300. 3 out of 10. 3 out of 10. Right? What do they pay you in Major League Baseball if you're a consistent 300 batting average? Millions of dollars. Millions. Right? That means that they know that seven, like if, if I get up to bat 10 times in this game, the club already knows that I'm going to strike out or hit it out seven out of those 10 times. But three, like that guy, he's gonna get us in scoring position at least three times this game. Right? Either he's gonna hit out of the park or he's gonna hit an RBI or he's gonna get on base. Right? And they pay him millions, right? So if someone gets paid millions knowing that they're gonna fail seven out of ten times, what makes us think that we're gonna be any different? And that's what people struggle, oh Carlo, I, I call ten people and only three people say, Yes, I can't handle this, man. That's just way too much work for only three. I'm like, well, go back to the job, that sucks. <laughs> Right? That's the worst thing that was going to happen here, right? And that's something that, there's a book I recommend called Go For No. Get that book, right? If you struggle with rejection, you got to read that book. It's such a powerful book, Go For No. And this guy struggled with rejection, and he changed his whole philosophy. 
He said, you know what, I struggle with rejection, so now I just said, what if I just went for no instead of yeses every day? He's like, every day I would go for 20 no's a day, <laughs> right? And I wouldn't get off the phone until the 20th person told me no. You know, he's like, sometimes I would be on the phone and I couldn't get no's because I was getting so much yeses, right? But you're going to get no's, you know? And that's, that's the only, there's only two letters in the alphabet that are stopping you from your destiny. And that's no. Like, and so you imagine, imagine if you didn't have fear about what other people thought about you. How far would you advance? How far would you go? Think about it, like really. And that's the only thing. And those are, that's why only 2% of the population is winning. Because they're just willing to do what most people are just too chicken shit to do. And it really is that. It really, really is that. You know, you gotta go for it, right? It's not gonna fall in your lap, okay? There is no welfare, welfare program for entrepreneurs. You know, if you're gonna be an entrepreneur, you are psychologically hardwired to be unemployable. Like, you're, you can't, you know, it's, it's almost against your core ethos for you to accept, like, hey, we got a job for you. Like, I'm sorry, I can't take it. That's why people quit their job, because like, you know what? This is just too comfortable. I need to go out there and just create Right? This is why entrepreneurship is like, to me, it's like America's modern form of spirituality. Because you, you have to manifest money out of thin air. No one pays us a paycheck. You don't go for a job, right? You've got to create it. And if you're going to be a good entrepreneur, you have to be a manifester. And I look at money, to me, money is not my total outcome. Money is simply the scorecard if my head and my ideas and my actions are working. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That's all it is. It's not like, ooh, it's like money's just a scorecard if the, if what your ideas are is working. Mm -hmm. You know, and so the best thing about being an entrepreneur is that's so exciting to me is success is when the blueprint matches the results. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It's like I have an idea, let's write down the idea, let's execute the idea, and the idea is fulfilled. Damn, it works. That's the best feeling as an entrepreneur, right? There's no entrepreneur that's successful that says, hey man, you made 100 million this year. How did that feel? Like, is this exciting to you? They don't have a lottery mentality. Like, oh shit, I'm, a, I'm just as surprised as you are. <laughs> None of them feel that way. None of them was like, I absolutely believe I deserved it, right? I didn't just start with this. I went with this, with this in mind and I actually achieved even superior results to it. That's an entrepreneurial ethos, right? That's what we do here. You know, so it's gonna be the same for you. All with the system. Three, presentation. You gotta know how to present ideas in a very simplistic way. And the more analytical you are, the more you'll struggle, right? And I get analytics, and you're gonna meet analytical people, right? Because an analytical person, like, I'm not analytical. I've learned this by sitting with engineers and math people all the time, you know, because when you have an analytical mixed with big ego, those are challenging appointments. <laughs> because to the analytical ego person, they're like, show me what you're doing. They don't want you to teach them. They want you to show them, and I figured it out while you were teaching me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that one. Does that make sense? <laughs> uh, I figured it out. I got it. <laughs> right? No, no, you did good, but I figured it out. <laughs> right? 
Has everyone ever sat with someone like that, right? You know, that's a, that's someone that has a big ego. So what you have to learn is not be defensive. That's where your people skills would come in here, yeah. right? Is not to be defensive with people like that, but to you have to know how to play the dance and how to stroke people's egos to suppress that ego, yeah. right? So with the analytical person, that ego person, you got to really stroke them, not compromise your values, but just basically say, you know, you have to discharge that ego. Right, and you have to basically say, you know what, um, Sarah, um, before we start, I'm really like part of me wanted to be an entrepreneur so that I could sit with awesome quality people like you. So I'm really excited just to have an opportunity to share some of these ideas <coughs> with you because I think someone of your caliber will really appreciate that. Ego diffused, right? Now they don't have this charge that, like, right? Because that's all they wanted just acknowledge me, just validate me that I'm the shit, <laughs> right? And I won't give you any promise. True or true? Mm -hmm. That's the truth, right? And so you got to know how to do that with people, right? And you're going to have those people. Don't try to be combative with those people and try to muscle each other, right? You got to, it's, it's submission in a subtle way, right? Hey, brother, I'm here to serve you, man. You win. You're the man, right? Just let me show you something that I'm helping people, right? And boom, you're in, right? And so that's all you're going to learn in presentation. A lot of psychology in this game. That's why I love sales because sales, is is a way to when you're a good salesperson you have a very strong strong inclination on human nature you understand how people make decisions four is the art of follow-up which is a big weakness for entrepreneurs right you're gonna have people there's there's two reasons why people don't do this number one is timing the timing was just not there dude I'm getting married next month I just got divorced going through a tough time Right, I just started a new job. It's always that, you know, and what you, what you forget is to follow up with that person. Or you'll sit with someone and be like, yeah, this all sounds great, man. I like to roll over, yeah, I, I can roll over my money, but I don't turn 59 and a half for another, you know, 18 months, right? And then what happens 18 months, you never follow up with that person. You know, and I do, what I do, that's why I love Google Calendar, man. You know, Siri, right? Remind me in 18 months to call Max Smith about his rollover, right? I'll do it two weeks prior, and I'll forget. And I'm like, oh, I gotta call this dude. Hey, it's Carlo, man. You know what people appreciate? You're following up, right? Because if you still follow up with the same enthusiasm that you did when you really first sat with someone, they're gonna be like, this person's legit. They're not just going through a trend or a fad, right? And everybody can sound excited for one month or two months or three months. It takes a real entrepreneur to be excited for two, three years until the job gets done, right? And you got to be that kind of person here, especially in your follow-up game. Number five is getting people started, right? So when someone gets started and says, okay, Carlo, I'm indifferent, man. Like, I'm scared shitless. I have no idea what I'm doing here. I have no idea what this works. What's next? You as a leader have to be like, follow me. You got to do this, this, and this, and I need it done by this date. Let's go, right? You have to know how to get people started in business as entrepreneurs. That's why leadership is very important. And then that was number six, duplication. You have to duplicate yourself over and over again because what could you do if there's 10 Maxes or 10 Kimberleys, right? Great. That'd be awesome, right? You know, instead of having 24 hours a day, you now have Maybe. 240 hours a day. And it's true. And so you got to duplicate yourself over and over again because that what leads to that system and passive income because we teach and develop leaders here. Right? So we have a saying for that. Teach to teach so you can go to the beach. 
right? Teach to teach so you can go to the beach. I want to train the trainer. Who leads the leader, right? Those are the things we're going to learn here that are really higher echelon law, you know? And until you have the identity of a leader, you're not going to develop anyone. So that's our system that we will spend a lot of time. And it's very logical, but it's 99% it's psychological and 1% logic. It's very much, you got to understand how these things work, okay? So that's number two. That's entrepreneurship. We're going to learn that. And then what's number one, our favorite. The number one thing that we do here is identity. That's the ultimate. That's the everything. That's the number one thing that if you're going to be here, you, you want to become the absolute best version of yourself, right? You want to be a leader. If you don't really buy into this, like this is the this is the collective culture buy-in that we want from everyone, um, because what drives us here is our number one goal and desire here is to build leaders. That's like if, you, and most people never see themselves that way. It's funny because I'll tell people, oh my God, you have a lot of leadership. Like, oh, I never saw myself like that. Right? Just say it on the count of three. I'm a leader. One, two, three. I'm a leader. How often do you say that? Not enough. Right? Because people don't see themselves, right? And this is where we are such right now, there's an evolution taking place of dramatic self-awareness in society right now. All right? We're, we're becoming way more conscious just as a human being. And so what everyone's doing is starting to question, like, there's a lot of old paradigms that are dying right now, right? That's why our, our political system will implode on itself, right? Religion. Right? All these things that have really just been these dogmatic ways of being and, and existing. Right? Business, capitalism, all those things like capitalism has evolved where people have just been greedy bastards and be like, it's all about me and my money and my family. To now the new age capitalist is more like a capitalist monk, right? Someone that is I'm about making a ton of cash, but I don't need the material to express myself to do that. Right, to me, it's about the new wealth is not material, it's time. Time is a new wealth because we're realizing that now. It's like, oh my God, like, when you have time to smell the coffee, you get to ponder about your life. You know, and that's how important is pondering? It's reflection. It's like, it's, it's what we crave. Like, you know what, I got I to gotta spend some time with this guy. Get to know who I am and what I'm about and what's important to me. And am I doing this because I want everyone to think I'm successful? And that was the biggest trap I fell under. Be careful with that, that you're not trying to be successful just because so other people can see you from their perspective as successful because it's just your ego. What does success really mean to you? You know, and success to me means making an impact in people's lives in a way that is self you know, that they're growing. It's to me having time with my daughters, right? While everyone's rushing around and dad can't take off time because he's busy, that I can coach Little League, or I can coach their softball team, and I can pick them up from school, 
and I can take him for an ice cream at two o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. Like that to me is to have the time to do that, you know, and to sit there. Yesterday they had a presentation at Zoe's school and I'm just sitting there and all the dads were just like, you know, they just kept looking at the clock. I'm like, I gotta go, I gotta go. It's taking a little longer than that. And I just felt really grateful that I'm just sitting there in the wagon. I was like, I go when I please, you know, and that to me means so much to me, right? It's like the one little win. I'm like, God, this is what I love. This is why I'm doing this because that's the number one thing. You can take your money, man. I'd rather take my time. See the difference? That has a lot to do with this, right? On what really, what are your values? Like, and we've become a valueless society. And I see that, you know, and we're kind of losing our soul. And so we were, you know, Kimberly and I were talking about that. It's like, I want to make more money. But whoever thought, who had the, the, the notion that becoming an entrepreneur and going for a lot of money meant selling your soul to do it? Anyone ever thought that's what you had to do? And that's why you had such a resistance to it? Like, man, I want to do that, but I don't want to have to sell my soul to do it. And that's something that, to me, I never wanted to do. And I'm here to tell you, right, that you can be an awesome, giving, loving person and not lose yourself just because you're making more money. You'll still be you. You're just going to be able to empower people at a higher level because you cannot give what you do not have, my friends. You can't give it. You can't give it. I can't give my kids coaching if I don't have the time to do it. I can't work on my marriage if I don't have the time to do it. Right? I can't spend time with a client or a teammate if I don't have the time to do it. And those are things that we want to do. So that's number one, self-awareness. Number one thing here, raise your consciousness. Right? Here's what school doesn't teach, and this is straight out of Bob Proctor right here. I love it. This is Think and Grow Rich. These are the three, the six things of life that we really want to focus on because number one is will. What does will mean? <coughs> Desire to succeed. Yeah, like will. Like you literally have to will yourself to success, right? You, it's not a reactionary thing. Right? If you live your life reactively, this is why your results are very reactive. It must be proactive, so you have to will it. You gotta will your ass up. You gotta, right? You know, I've been, I was listening, anybody listen to Tom Bill you? Yeah. yeah. I love that guy, right? Mm -hmm. So he had this blonde chick with, with glasses on. I don't know her name. Mel Robbins? Maybe it's her. Yeah, I think Rocket it's her. Ship lady? Yes! Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love that, right? I've been utilizing that because, I mean, you know, the time change has really helped me wake up earlier lately. Yeah, I need to do right? that. Right? And so this morning I drive and I was just like, oh, this bed is super warm, <laughs> super comfortable, but I should get up and read. And I just said, you know what? Five, four, three, two. <laughs> All right, I'm up, you know, don't even think about it. She has a book. Who is yeah. she? Mel Robbins. And I do that countdown, right? Just yeah. five, four, it three. Works. It yeah. works, yeah. man. You know, don't think about it. Don't yeah. worry. Just get your ass up and get going. You know? She says there's science behind it. I don't know what it is. It works. I've tried it. I need to do it again. I forgot about it's it. It's awesome, right? Yeah. For so, me, it's, uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm my face now. So, I mean, think about it. For us to lead other people, how well do we lead ourselves? Mm -hmm. Right? It's true. Right? Intuition. What is intuition? That feeling? Yeah. <coughs> Isn't that crazy, Mom? I don't want to interrupt your whole dream. No, no, no. That's <laughs> but it's so important to be able to kind of just listen to to how you feel. And act on it. And it's scary sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It is very scary sometimes. 
I have a question that one of my uh, one of the ladies asked me because uh, we were talking a little bit about that, and she's like, "How do you know that your intuition is not your feelings playing with you, your emotions?" Right. Great question. That is a really great question. Great I was question. like, "I'll get back to you on that." Mm -hmm. Your emotions can really take on almost like an entity, mm -hmm. right? Meaning that I I believe that emotions. Can, people are possessed by their emotions, right? Your emotions like are in total control. Like, and the more unconscious you are, the more your emotions dictate your every move. So typically, people like ah, they, they you know, what is the one where we used to describe our state? Feel. Ah, I don't feel like it today. I feel great today. I feel like shit today. I feel up today. I feel down today, right? And it's just like, and, and this is where people are at, right? And so sometimes, how often as an entrepreneur do you have to override, like, okay, Thomas works out religiously, right? But can I, like, be blunt, man, like, honestly, do you feel like working out every day, like when you do? No. No, it's, like, uh, your emotions say, dude, I don't, not today. Yeah, yeah, even like I said day. at the event, like, we can't rely on motivation because we're not always going to want to feel like, mm -hmm. like doing the things that we know we need to do, so it's got to be action about your actions. Yeah. And so uh, as in emotions, right? So I, I guess the best way to answer that question is your emotions will require a lot of override, right? It's, you got it. there's a saying is you have to act the way you want to feel. That requires an override. Does that make sense? I guess also, Salgado, like what I heard is it's what I've noticed in my life because I've been in various situations where I gotta jump and then I confuse excitement with fear. They're the same chemicals. Yeah. So one thing is, like, a good question to ask yourself is, on my intuition right now, is it more driven by fear mm -hmm. or is it driven by excitement of what could or what could not? Right. I, I believe that if it's positive, it is. I think it's if your if your goals don't scare you, I think you're thinking too small. And your goals, it should have fear, right? Fear is not something that you know. What is that? What is that? They like fear, you know, you know, fuck everything and run, right? <laughs> it's like people have fight or flight. Fear, I think, is is necessary, right? That it's it is part of it, the process, and. I, like fear is a necessary chemical because I mean if I'm walking in, in pitch black dark on a cliff fear is going to keep me alive because if I'm careless I might fall and die so fear is like oh shit hold on man move slowly you know I'm afraid so fear does help but it also becomes it can also become your limitation too for example in business because you're moving out of your comfort zone so if you're not a public speaker I'm like hey Anthony I need you there's a hundred people today bro Isaac got sick he just I need you to do this. Oh, shit. You see it right now? Right now, bro. Okay, well, let me get myself together. Right? And people have to do that because, boom, butterflies hit and you kind of get cold sweats. Who's ever felt that? Right? I love that shit. <laughs> and that is something that, like, our job as leaders is to give you that. We do shit like that to you right now. Right? Because we want you to grow, you know, and I want you to kind of develop this kind of sadistic way of looking at your life that if I'm not afraid every day and I know it's something that I should be doing to positively move myself forward then I'm not growing 
right? I want you to bask in the fear and still act in spite of fear. That's how you know that you're moving it. And everybody, this is the kiss of death, especially to entrepreneurs, I think just overall life, is you're trying to get to a higher level, but you want to stay the same person you're at. And that's universally impossible. It's impossible in every which way you can think of. You know, everyone's like, Carlo, I want more, I want to be more, this is what I want, I should be at this income, I should be doing this, but I don't want to change who I am. I'm like, well, good luck. You are where you are because of who you currently are. So if you want more, you have to be more. Is that why Joe Dispenza says? You literally have to stop being yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you have to stop being you and just literally become something in somebody else. And that becoming that something in somebody else, how uncomfortable is it? How uncomfortable is it? How uncomfortable is it? How uncomfortable is it? Right? To change your life, it's very uncomfortable. But when you're doing it, there's almost like when you step into it and you know it sucks and then you do what you know needs to be done, it's probably one of the greatest personal highs that I feel from one can be realized, right? It's, there's, no, there's nothing on this planet that will give you that sense of satisfaction to know that you can literally coach yourself through anything, you know? And that's really what I think what we need to give people here. Using your imagination, um, it's huge, you know. Um, I've been listening to Neville Goddard. If you ever hear that guy, he's from like the 30s and 50s, right? And I'm catching. If you listen to his audios on YouTube, you're like, holy cow, it sounds like 1930s. <laughs> but he, all he talks about in the 1930s is like, use your imagination because your subconscious mind does not know what is really happening just in your mind or if it's physically actually happening. And how often do you actually play the mental movie of what your life should look like? Or you want it to, or you desire it to look like? And so that's what people do. So think about your subconscious wiring. Like if you get up and the first thing you do is go right to Facebook or you go to CNN or Fox and you want to see what's going on in the world, right? You, you've already submitted yourself to the program. The program has already taken over. You're basically saying, I don't have control, I'm going to react, uh, I live my life reactionary. I'm going to have a good day based on what I first see on the news, right? And you realize, does the news have anything positive to share? Hell no, mm -hmm. right? So you wonder why we're in a negative state. So for me, imagination is like what Albert Einstein's greatest quote is, is like, you only have really one choice to make, do I live in a hostile or friendly universe? And the point is that, is there, if you look outside, is there a lot of positive things happening in society? Solid Yeah. <laughs> right? So just look at your life right now. We could go around the room right now, every one of us. Is there something that all of us are experiencing that's negative right now? Do we have, do we have challenges? Yeah. So what's wrong is always available. You can focus your mental energy on that, but guess what? So is what's right. What's right is also available to you. So it takes a flick of the switch, of the conscious switch, to say, you know what, Carlo, focus on this. What is good right now? And I literally have to consciously take control of the driver's seat. Right? I'll sit there and I'm like, okay, what is going good? What what is happening in my life? What am I grateful for? And it's impossible to feel grateful and worry at the same time. You can't do it. Right? So why not focus on a, a good coping mechanism 
when you feel depressed or you feel icky or you just feel misaligned is pull out a blank sheet of paper and say, what are five things you're grateful for? Or when you're having a friend who's just like venting all their drama to you and my life sucks and this and that, and you just say, you know, can I ask you a question? What is working in your life? Kind of flip it, right? Find a way to do these flipping things that get people to really think of their life in a different way. Memory, perception. Perception is what? Reality. Right? And so do you believe that you alter your reality? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you, that means that you are the creator of your perception too. Right? And reason. Why is reason important? Logic is very important. Right? You got to do logical steps. So emotional intelligence. Big thing what we learn here. If you're an emotional person, I think emotions are good. But if you just do everything based on how you feel, you're not going to win. You're not going to win. Right? And I can kind of tell an entrepreneur, when it's good, it's all good, right? When you're, when life is happening for you and you're like crushing it, I'm like, congratulations, man. Anybody can do that when life is, when everything is rocking. It's when things are not so good. It's when you have a lot of adversity and that's going to happen too. And that's when I look, when I, when I see an entrepreneur that has overcome adversity and they're still taking action moving forward, then I know we have a player, right? Most people in this game, like, Carl, why do, why do people leave? It's not because the difference doesn't work. It's because they can't handle the emotions that come. You cannot process life's issues while simultaneously trying to build a business. And no matter what's work going on in your life, and I've had people go through some shit, man. You know, go through divorces, they find out their partner's cheating on them, they, you know, financial crisis hits, like, like somebody that they really important to them died. And I get it, like, you know what, I gotta stop this to deal with that. I'm like, I get it, man. But no matter what's going on in your life, guys, you still got to find a way to win. You still got to find, life is not going to stop for your problems. And the sooner you realize that, the sooner that you can say, you know, you do have to walk and chew gum. Sometimes, you know, when I got hurt in, in uh, basketball one time, I remember this, like, I got hurt and the coach was like, I need you to play. I was like, yeah, I'm hurt. He's like, are you hurt or are you injured? And I'm like, shit, I don't know. I think I'm hurt. He's like, well, because if you're hurt, you can still play. If you're injured, you can't. And I was like, okay, you know. So in other words, suck it up, man. Get in the game. We need you. And playing hurt. And there's many times, entrepreneur, you're going to have to play hurt. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Suck it the fuck up. Excuse my language, but that's the truth. Deal with it. Go out there. Put a smile on your face. It's very, very important. You guys agree with that? Yes. Yeah, you get, that's, that's just the point of the game, right? That requires a lot of that, right? You know, and if I would hope that you guys, if you want more success, you should wish for bigger problems. Does that make sense? Have, bigger problems will allow you to have more success, right? That's where your self-confidence grows because I had an epiphany this morning when I was running I got here early to run, and I wanted to stop. Any, you know, any, any runners in here? Used to be. So running to me Used is to like, uh, you know, running to me is like something that the Marine Corps doctrine. And I was, I was running, and I had that breath, like, you know, like I, I wanted to stop. You know, the pain was like intense. Like I was, I was losing my breathing, and almost in a sh slight hyperventilation. And I was like, and I was like, push harder. And it hurt like hell, right? Like that pain. 
you know, and to me, I was I was thinking of David Goggins. You should guys, David Goggins is awesome, right? Isaac's really turned me on to him, right? David Goggins is the man. And he was just like, his motto was like, if we don't, if it doesn't suck, we ain't doing it. And I was like, you know what? Like, you have to consciously, as an entrepreneur, do something that you know sucks every day. Because if you can actually cope and do and take physical action to things that suck, the things that involuntarily happen to you are no problem. I consciously put myself through shitty situations so I can <laughs> overcome them, so that I can deal with the things that I'm not in control of that happen to me. Do you see the difference? If you want to take it easy, I just want my life to be easy and cope. Then when adversity hits your doorstep, you crumble like a cracker because you don't have the mental and emotional capacity to deal with it. But if you're like, you know what, I'm going to do something painful to myself that actually has a positive result. So working out, this is why working out is painful, but why do we do it? Because it builds our identity and it actually makes us actually fitter and well. This is why people that have physical fitness as a part of their life, they're actually more successful. And that's something that I do want to indoctrinate into our culture, right? And that's something that was inspired by Thomas. You know, Thomas was like, the team I want to build, they're going to be physically fit. And I was like, well, hold on, man. I don't know if that's, I might be a little bit militant, a little bit dictatorship, you know, <laughs> right? Remember we were talking about that? And then I had time to think about it. I was like, but he's absolutely fucking yeah. right. <laughs> right? Because... Life's already gonna be life's already hard enough. If we can come in here for a focus hour and just thrash your ass, <laughs> right? And you feel that pain, you're more you're more inclined to handle adversity really, really well. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I think that's exciting. Right? I think that's exciting and this is what this is about here, guys. This is the number one thing that you'll get here. That's what I love the most about difference. That's what I this you know, I, I'm, I'm, I wake up every day excited and I'm grateful to be here. Like uh, coming to the office this morning, you know, Saturday early, I'm just like, I have this rush. This like, I can't wait to just see you guys and, and just, I can't wait to do an appointment later. I can't wait to share this with people, you know? And I think what that's what we need. You know, we kind of need to either stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Fucking take a stand, man, go for it. What do you got to lose, man? Just put it on the line. Like, when's the last time you literally just put it on the fucking line and went for it? What do we got to lose here? We got everything to gain. The world is our oyster. We have absolutely nothing to lose. If we just go for it, right? And we take a shot. What time is it? It's the right time. 11.15. It's the right time. It's the right time. Take two minutes. And then we're going to do this tax thing. I want you guys to write down. I can tell it's the Marine Corps birthday today. <laughs> Fire up. I can tell. <laughs> Sorry, I might be getting a little too excited. No, great, great. We need that. We, we, need, we need you. You can never be too excited. If this goes a little bit over your head, you know, uh, it's okay. You're going to see this a lot of times. But it's really one of our most valuable things that we teach clients. Yeah, you want to understand. So there's uh, tax now, tax later, also known as tax deferred, and tax advantaged. Okay. So tax now, tax deferred, or tax later, tax advantaged. These are the three places that you can put your money at. Now, based on just looking at which one already is a place that looks where you want to put your money. Tax advantage. Right. So this is what most people don't know. 
Okay, and this is really, really simple. So tax now types of accounts are like savings accounts. CDs at a bank. CD stands for certificate of deposit. Okay. Stocks fall into tax now. Mutual funds fall into tax now. If you're a W-2 employee, you fall into tax now. Okay. So basically let's look at it through an investment standpoint. Let's say you have a hundred dollars that you invest in a stock. And that hundred dollars grows to two hundred dollars. What would you gain? One hundred dollars, right? Now, what do you have to pay on that one hundred dollar gain? Capital gains tax. Capital gains tax. Okay, so write that down. So we have to pay a capital gains tax, which is a term you want to be familiar with, right? And there's two types of capital gains. We have short-term capital gains, and we have long-term capital gains. Short-term capital gains are anything that you liquidate within the same year and you're taxed at whatever tax bracket you fall under. So if you fall in the 33% tax bracket, then your stock would be taxed at 33%. Long-term capital gains are 20%, right? That's anything more than a year, right? And so when you cash any of that out, you're gonna pay a 20% capital gains tax. So that's Uncle Sam getting your money now. What are the benefits of tax now type investments, right? Like stocks, mutual funds. The benefits of stocks? Sure. They can grow fast. They can grow fast, right? What's, what's, the, what's another big thing? Liquidity. There you go. Liquidity, what does liquidity mean, Thomas? That money is accessible. Yes, right? So it means if I'm going through a financial crunch and I have you know 300 shares of Apple stock, I can be like, you know what, um, didn't plan on this, but I can go sell 50 shares and come up with that cash within 48 hours. Does that make sense? Right, so that's the benefit. Now, are you gonna pay the taxes on it though? Yes, you are, right? You're gonna pay, they're gonna 1099 UI. It's called a 1099I, which you'll have clients that show you that. they say, I got this 1099, I'll say 1099I. Oh, that means that when you do your taxes this upcoming year, you have to show your tax person that interest, capital gains, so that they can calculate it from your taxes. Does that make sense? Why, why do they tax uh, people's investments so much? Because it's your risk. You're the one taking the risk. It's a great question, right? It's because the, the tax code is designed to drive social behavior, right? It's designed to drive social behavior. So the, the government almost has a deterrent mm -hmm. from you putting your money solely in those vehicles Right, because they know is if you get liquidity, right? Let's penalize them for that. So let's drive them to do more of this, which is here. Okay. So when we talk at tax deferred, which is tax related, what's the number one retirement plan in America? 401k. 401k. Okay. You have 403bs. Okay. You have what you call IRAs. What does IRA stand for? Individual retirement account. Individual retirement account. Okay. Individual retirement account. Very important to know that now. How much can you put in a traditional IRA if you're under 50 years of age? 55. There you go. Again, it's times $5,500 per year. Right. How much can I put it if I'm over 50? Yes. 
Yeah, that's that one's a good job. Brother. Are those the uh, new amounts for 2019? I haven't checked for 2019. Good question. I yeah. think they are going to change. Right, uh, so they're going up a little bit. For, yeah. A little bit? It's like 500 or 1,000. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it went up on the defined benefit plans. Okay. Pensions. Which so, put in. yeah. Yeah, I don't know those amounts right now, so good question. But right now, this is what they currently are at. Um, so 5,500 if you're under 50, 6,500 you're under 50. What is the benefit of funding a traditional individual retirement account, IRA? Deferred. What does that mean? Pay tax later. later. Yeah, so that means, is so when you contribute to an IRA, it doesn't come out of your gross income like a 401k would, like the, it automatically comes out. It actually comes out of like a direct, you know, automatic draft from your checking account. Right, and your direct that income from your checking account is already after-tax income. So how is it that I'm putting after-tax money into an IRA and still getting a, a tax-deferred plan? Because when you do your taxes, your tax person will say that you contribute to any investments here. Yeah, I contribute to an IRA. How much? I max funded it. I put fifty-five hundred into it. Okay. So what do you get to do with that fifty-five hundred? Deduct. Deduct it from my income tax. So if I made $50,000 a year W-2 gross income and I fully funded a Roth, uh, I'm sorry, a traditional IRA, then I will only have to pay taxes to the government on $44,500 versus $50,000. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay, so my taxable income goes lower. So I'm getting a tax break now, but I have to pay what later? You got to pay taxes later, okay? So does that make sense? Yes. Um, what else falls under here? I mean, any, anything that's in the four 457s, you'll typically see what kind of, what kind of uh, people carry 457 plans? Public employees or fire? You got it. Firefighters, police officers, correction officers, like your cousin, right? Um, some teachers also have like, so public employees, right, will typically carry a 457 plan, which is just a state <laughs> version of a 401k, okay? Um, you also have pensions that fall under here, profit sharing plans, um, annuities. Those all fall under here. If they're in the military, there's something called the Thrift Savings Plan or TSP, which is just a federal version of a 401k. So you'll get these out there, and we want you to get acclimated with the, with the terminology in here. So when someone says, oh, I got a 457. Oh, I got a TSP. Okay, you're a federal employee, right? You start really getting to know who falls where, but they're all fall under the same tax code. Now, the biggest thing with these plans, I'm gonna erase this just so I have room to write, is at what age can I access the money, Anthony? Is that 59? 59 and a half. 59 and a half. <laughs> so I cannot touch the money until I'm 59 and a half. Now, if I touch it prior to 59 and a half, what happens? 10%. 10% penalty. On top of what? Income tax. You got it, brother. Right? So if someone's got 100,000 and I'm 55, now I'm in an emergency, I'm in a jam, okay? And I take 10% of that 100,000, that's 10,000, right? So what am I netting after the penalties? Like 6,500. Right, because I have to pay. So they now want to take the income tax out along with the penalty. 
right? So what you net is after taxes and penalties. Because Uncle Sam's like, we're getting our money up front. We ain't waiting until taxes. We want it now, right? And so sometimes people have to take a more of an amount than they want to to net the amount that they need after taxes and penalty, which could be harmful. Now, if you don't take out money by age 70 and a half, there's a timeline, right? So people are like, well, you'll sit with clients that are 65, 66, 67, they have IRAs, 401ks. I'm like, what's your plan with that 401k? What's your plan with that IRA? I was like, well, I don't really need it, so I'm just gonna leave it be. I'm probably gonna pass it on. I'm like, you have to start taking money out by 70 and a half. But I don't want to though. Not, I'm not telling you this because I'm telling you, <laughs> right? It's IRS law. What? Yes, it is, right? It's called the R&D law, which stands for Required Minimum Distribution. It's a required minimum distribution. So let's say someone has 100,000 in a 401k, and the required minimum distribution per IRS guidelines is that person, based on their taxes, has to take out at least $4,500 a year, okay? Even though they don't want to, the law says they do. You gotta take out 4,500. Why, because what haven't they paid on that money yet? Tax. Uncle Sam wants his money. All right, that's why the RMD law is in place, because it's trying to drive human behavior to, hey, we never got our money out of that money, right? And so we want, and if you do not start taking RMDs, they penalize you 50% of what you should take out. So let's say if I had to take out 4,500, well, if they say 4,500, I'm not taking it. Well, now you're going to have a tax bill, right? For what's what's 4,500 divided by two? 2750, right? Mm -hmm. You have to pay 2750 in a penalty, right? So they penalize you 50% of that RMD if you do decide not to take it out. So Uncle Sam has a calculation table on the masses of society. We have 59 and a half to 70 and a half. We have a, a window here that we know we're going to get our money from these people. Yeah, yeah, a please. larger question. So you're saying tax code is designed to drive social behavior. What is the social behavior that they want to most likely? Compliance or what is? I'm Taxes, speaking on, on right? very like they yeah, want yeah. to receive as much money as they can. Is that so what's driving that? Look at it. It's kind of what we talked about. Is everyone's? Well, we'll get into the tax advantages. It's like how come people are not doing most of this and they're not doing most of that because it doesn't serve the greater. It doesn't serve the powers that be, right? You know that there's a great quote by Mark Twain that if you ever find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. And it's very possible, right? The thing about the collective human species is collectively we're pretty stupid, right? Right now. Meaning that we're easy to govern. We're easy to, we're easy to, like, to, to put fear into the collective, to drive collective behavior is very easy to the masses. Right? And so no one questions that. There's no one saying, well, hold on. Is the 401k the best thing out there? No, we don't do that. We say, what do you got? I got a 401k. What do you got? 401k? Well, I guess I should get a 401k too. That's what we do. Right? We don't question because if everybody's doing it, that means I'm not, I'm not going to single myself out if everyone else is doing it. So we don't question these things. But once you start following the paper trail, you know, I didn't know that I didn't know either, guys, right? So no, nobody knows this stuff. And the thing about, well, when is a 401k a good thing to get, Sarah? When they're funding part of it, too. Which is, what does that mean? So, if, that they, so if your employer's putting in 5%, you also match. put in 5%? So when a company offers a match, 
that's when you should do 401k. Why? Because it's free money, right? Well, why is it free to the why is it free money? It's that's tax deductible dollars to the corporation. That's how they save money on taxes too. It's a write off of that, right? But it's also a way to give you the golden handcuffs too. Mm -hmm. It's a way for us to lock in talent. Like, hey, Anthony, right? Understand that the biggest drug to the mind of an employee is benefits. <laughs> that is our addiction, right? And when I hear benefits, right, benefits are the lure that corporations use, like, got them, <laughs> right? That's what we do. It's, it's the way, it's psychological entrapment in a sense because it gives me a sense of security. You know, that's what we want. We want security that we will almost confine ourselves to a mental and emotional prison in order mm -hmm. to get it. And that's what they do is like, we'll give you a match. We got medical and dental. Like, oh shit, I ain't going nowhere. I hate this job, but I'm gonna stay here till I'm 65, right? So let's look at this. So we look at 500 bucks a month. And let's say, it's earning 12% for 30 years, okay? Write that down. What that's going to equate to with compound interest is someone in their 401k having $1.7 million, right? Now, what happened when we paid on that money? Taxes. So right now, what's the highest federal tax bracket that it currently is right now? 46%. Well, 39, there's 39.6% federal, but what else, what else do we have to add to that? State. State, which could be about 10 to 15%, right? California has a high state tax rate. Okay, so let's just say 50%. Like yeah. So people say, I got 1.7 million in a 401k, but they don't realize that they have to pay $870,000 in taxes to the United States government. Ain't that crazy? That is really upsetting. Well, yeah. but, but and the thing is that you'll sit with baby boomers who have this; they do not know that yeah. this is going to happen. So they think that I have one point seven yeah. million dollars. So I say it's like it's like looking at your gross income and be like, look, look at what I'm taking home. Like you're not taking that home. What's your net income? I see your gross income. What's your net after tax? And this is right here. The thing that we're trying to really get rid of, right? That's what we want to do. So, we want to focus here on tax advantage, which is... You know, something you haven't even added to that is that most baby boomers that I know, they're excited because they say, my house is going to be paid off, all of this is going to be paid off. So, so many deductions that they used to write off, they won't write off anymore. Raises their income. Exactly. So, if they're, gonna, they're at a higher tax bracket. Hopefully, right, there's individuals that can maneuver the system most of the time. Exactly. It is <laughs> this is wild. It's, okay. it's, it is wild. Yeah. It's a game. It's an awful game. And you know that it's if you move, game okay. you know, so there's, so there's a lot of people in their mind say, okay, Social Security pays me 1800 here in San Diego. Uh, I'm going to move to Arizona. I'm going to sell my house here, and I'm going to retire down there. And they move down there 
and the government lowers their social security because the cost Absolutely. of living in Arizona is less. Oh my God. So average social security in Arizona is 800 to 1200. And they probably don't even know that before they move. And my mom sees these numbers because of the social services director for this nursing home. She deals with people doing that. And she sees how the government. Mm -hmm. 10 seconds. <laughs> social security no, no, no. At, my, at, at my grandpa's, that's why I moved out here. They rose Social Security, so they said we're gonna raise it concerning inflation. So instead of 1813, she, my grandpa was gonna make 1850. So that automatically didn't qualify anymore to get Medi-Cal. So, oh so the government said, "Shit, I'm paying you so much, three thousand dollars a month in doctors and all of this. I'm just gonna give you thirty bucks here, and you're not gonna qualify anymore." Oh my god. So I'm in this situation where I was like, That's rap. Okay, That's I'm rap. like the government is playing playing the game, you know? So I'm like, what do I gotta do? I started calling all these different agencies, call my mom and my mom is like, Isaac, get him dental insurance. So all of a sudden that is gonna lower his income so that is gonna be able to qualify him again. Wow. A lot of people don't know this shit and yeah, bro. Wow. So there you go, hustling the system. But they're trying to hustle us, you know, since birth. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, no, like me dealing. No, nah, bro, that's it is. That's great. It is. Most people yeah. don't know that. Mm -hmm. I get excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's changing lives. It's it affects is. people's entire lives. Well, and that's the thing, guys. So you, you see, is this education really important? Yes. Hell yeah, that's yeah. right. So Roth IRA was named after, I believe, a governor or a senator, right? I forgot his first name, but he created the Roth IRA which is just like a traditional IRA, same thing, 5,500 if you're under 50, 6,500 if you're over, but except that money is tax-free. So you don't get the tax deduction, but it comes out 100% tax-free at retirement. Does that make sense? Can you say, I'm sorry, can you say it one more time? Right, so Roth IRA, right? So someone says, I have a Roth IRA, which is just like a traditional. Okay. Right? I have to put up to $5,500 per year if I'm under 50. Okay. $6,500 if I'm over 50. I don't get the tax deduction on my taxes because that money comes out 100% tax-free at retirement. Which means they already paid their taxes on it. Does that make sense? Okay. So you're not going to get the tax break. So people want that, right? So what a lot of people are seeking right now is tax breaks on their money. This is your foot in the door as a life insurance agent because of the things that you can do with a life insurance license. Life insurance license has many tax havens built within it mm. that people do not understand. And that's really what we are. You're a life insurance agent with a strong economical twist as almost a tax strategist, right? You're helping people save money on taxes. It's not the life insurance. Now, you're gonna have many people be like, dude, we do need life insurance. But it's not really the purpose on the higher level of what's getting you the most business because people are like, well, you can help me save money on taxes? Let's have a conversation, right? If you currently make right now, they'll quote me on this. I always ask someone to look it up. In a Roth IRA, I believe if you make over a hundred and twenty something thousand, uh -huh. right? If you're single and you make, you know, hey, W two hundred twenty, you don't get a Roth. You make too much money for government standards. If you're a married couple and you guys file jointly and you make over one hundred eighty-three thousand, I believe it is, no, you don't get a Roth IRA if you make too much money. So where do people that make a lot of money, people that make a lot of money, guess what they want? Tax breaks. Working on, and that's where um, IUL comes in. 
right? Index Universal Life, right? Which is one of our flagship vehicles. It's something that has been really blown more towards upper echelon wealth that has never really been shared with middle class America. But it's something that middle class America can take advantage of. That's why you notice that what are the two top paying sports in America? No, you read the next perfect storm, right? I'll say read that book, the next perfect storm. It is golf and tennis. But how often do middle class people watch golf and tennis? Or play it. Right? Or play, right? So golf and tennis is mostly reserved for affluent. It, it drives an affluent appeal. So the richer you are, the smaller the ball. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one, right? Really? Good point. The richer you are, the smaller the ball. You heard that first. I like that. Right? So when you watch like a Wimbledon, or you watch a U.S. Open, like a Grand Slam, or you watch like a, like the Masters, pay attention to the commercials. They're all insurance companies, right? The only insurance companies you see during an NFL or NBA game are State Farm, Allstate, or Farmers. Those are products that are geared towards middle class America. So we're bringing in Wall Street to Main Street, and IEO is the one of them. So what does that mean? We offer a product that is index, right? That's what I stands for, index. Index means it's tied to the S&P 500 index. Okay? You want to write this down. So what does the S&P 500 mean, Thomas? Standard and Poor's 500. Which is what? It's uh, 500 of the most strongest reliable companies uh, in the United States. Bro. You definitely earned your money today. <laughs> <laughs> He's ready. You, you're, you're ready. Okay. <laughs> Exactly that, okay? So our money is tied to the S&P 500 index. Now, right now, what is the current cap on Flex Life 2 IUL nationally? 11.75. 11.75%. So our clients can earn up to 11.75% interest. So if the market does 15, do we get 15? No. How much do we get? 12, 11.75. 11.75, okay. So that could be seen as a con. People say, well, you know, I kind of want to make more. Okay, I get that. But the power of zero, or zero is your hero, right? If the market does like it did in 2008, negative 38.5%, what do our clients get? Zero. Zero percent. They never have a negative year. That's a huge, huge benefit. Now, we don't say that this is the end-all, be-all. Because clients will say, so you're telling me I should stop everything I'm doing and put all my money here? They didn't say that. Right? But shouldn't a portion of your portfolio be put in an account that you can still earn great interest but not lose anything? Mm -hmm. Right? It's true. And so that's where we've been able to do business. And these accounts have average, guys. They've averaged, over the last five years, average about 9%, which is really good. Right? That's a good performance. So basically, we're giving clients the benefit of both the safety and security like a bank, that there's no good interest rates, with the performance of a stock market without the risk of losing my money. That's what indexing does, okay? Universal means it's flexible. That's what universal means, right? And what do we mean by flexibility, Isaac? Like, what does it mean that this is flexible? So what I've seen and what my clients have appreciated about something like this is that there's no limit. Yes. And in case you're going through some type of struggle, there's accumulation. Uh, there's flexibility. Let's say if you're putting a thousand a month and then you lose your job and you need a break on two months, you could take that break. 
something that other type of policies don't offer. So flexibility, what people love is, is the opportunity of funding yeah. something where they're going to have in the future. And so the cool thing is that it's got the benefit of these worlds, right? So it has liquidity, mm -hmm. right? So not in the first year or two, depending on how you structure it, but you don't have to wait till you're 59 and a half to access money from this, if need be, in an emergency situation, okay? So it's got, I can put large, so if someone's like, well, is this like a Roth IRA, I can only put 5,500 a year? No, how much could I put in? How much do you want to put in? There's people that put $100,000 a month into these things, right? That's possible, totally possible. You're gonna have a huge, super huge policy, but you can fit that money in and shelter from taxes. It grows tax-free, comes out tax-free, and if you die, that's the benefit of the L part. Stands for what? Life insurance. Right? The biggest component of life insurance <coughs> is that we're all going to die someday that we can pass on a nest egg 100% tax-free. Right? That's what Section 7702, right? So you write those down. Section 7702 of the IRC, Internal Revenue Code, also Section 101 Alpha. Right? 101A. Section 7702 and Section 101A of the Internal Revenue Code states that any money that grows in a policy or the life insurance policy itself will be passed on at death 100% tax-free to beneficiaries. No income tax whatsoever. It bypasses any income tax. This is how the Rockefellers did it. Well, Disneyland was because of a cash value policy. That's how Disneyland was built. Look it up. Right? It is the one tax haven, right, that we can do to assure. So how beneficial is that? Right? And so with that, I just want to leave you guys with this. This is our number one product that we do here. Um, which is called Index Universal Life. Okay? And you'll you'll look online, look up Index Universal Life, you'll see a lot of positive, you also see a lot of negative. Right? And I read the negative stuff too. A lot of agents, I believe, don't really even structure IULs to what their capacity should be. Um, a lot of times people are just going out there, you know, dishing policies out. But it, this is a customizable thing. This company, specifically National Life Group, is been around since 1848. And the reason we like them so much is because of this puzzle right here. So we do life insurance, so if somebody dies too soon, what's the benefit of life insurance if you die too soon? Your family gets it. Family gets it tax free, right? Like tax free money. But also living benefits if you become ill. Okay, so this is a strong, right? For someone like we just sat with an electrician in, in Yuma. And he's like, man, I'm 30, I'm making 100 grand. Like, I don't have a family, I don't have a wife, I don't really need life insurance. And the way, what got him to reconsider, I was like, yeah, but it's got living benefits, man. You're an electrician. What happens if you, some, you get hurt on the job? What's disability at your job? Not that good. It's like, well, at least here you got living benefits because what if you don't die and you get hurt? You know, at least you now you can get tax-free money, right? He's like, hmm, that's interesting. But if I don't die and I don't get sick, shouldn't I get my money back? And that's if you live too long. So you can also turn this into a pension, and the beautiful thing is a tax-free pension for life. That's really what the strongest valuation I think you can do 
You can do a Roth IRA index annuity, that's also tax-free for life. You can do an IUL, also with this specific company, tax-free for life. So to breeze through it, you have questions. Here's, a little, here's an example of living benefits. If this person is 35, put in 500 bucks a month, $587,000 coverage. If you had a terminal illness, that means the doctor says you have two years left to live, you can pull out $732,000 tax-free, no question, at a 65. If you have a chronic illness, biggest chronic illness, cancer. Age 50, you can pull out 7,200 bucks a month for 50 months. Age 60, 12,000 bucks a month for 50 months while he's still living. Age 65, $13,000 for 50 months. Age 70, 10,000, tax-free, right? So they don't have to die to use that money. This is a huge benefit. Now, critical illness is heart attack, stroke. Critical injury is a traumatic brain injury like a really bad car accident, right? And this is all deemed by a doctor. So if a doctor says, hey, you had a severe heart attack and you're 50 years old, can't go back to work for some time, he can pull up, up to, he doesn't have to pull it all out, but he can take up to $426,000 tax-free while still living. That's a huge benefit. So when people say, I have a life policy already, my question to them is, does it have living benefits? No, it doesn't. I say, well, what if we just give you an upgrade? Maybe it's time for an upgrade. And sometimes for the same amount of money that they've been paying, right, we can get them an upgraded policy that has way better benefits. And that's what people like. I like this, the mm -hmm. living benefits portion. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. you, add, you, you add that with um, performance, right? So this is how indexing looks like. So remember the cap is 11.75. So that means if the market 1998 did 26%, I only get 11.75, 19%, 11.75. So that can be seen as a con because I'm not getting all of the upside. However, Zero is my hero. When the market does negative 10, negative 13, negative 23%, I don't lose any of my principal because I earn a zero. Mm -hmm. That's huge, right? So look at 2008, which was the greatest market crash we've had since the Great Depression. Or if you had a million dollars, you lost $380,000, right? Your clients will lose a zero. They don't lose anything. So mind you, we do this with life insurance. We do this with 401k and IRA rollovers too, mm -hmm. right? Same concept of indexing. Here's what it's done. Indexing has done almost 9% over the last five years. So it's been a great performer. So to show you kind of what it, what it does from an income standpoint, so this guy's doing 500 bucks a month with 6,000 bucks a year and wants to increase. So the cons of this is it's a, you always market it for long-term purposes. You never market an IUL for like, no, let's try it for a few years, Sarah, and I don't like it, I'll do something else. No. This is something to be very much competitive with long-term retirement vehicles like IRAs and 401ks. Okay? It's not to be competitive with stocks and mutual funds. Because stocks and mutual funds are liquid. So don't ever market it as a short-term vehicle. Always must be marketed a long-term vehicle. And why? Because you can really, this is why it gets negative, negative news on the media. Because people say, I started an IUL for a year, but my agent didn't tell me I had 3,900 bucks and I wanted to cancel it and I got nothing back. That's not good, right? Why is that? Because the insurance company has not made money on this yet. It is a front-loaded product, meaning it, they make money through time. So IUL is like a fine wine. It gets better with age, okay? There's liquidity, so you see it's got a 10-year surrender period, meaning by year 11, you see, I can take my money out if I want to. It's equal now. 
But prior to that, if I surrender means cancellation, not just stop payments or take a break, I'm talking cancel it, then I'm going to take a shortfall because if I have 21000 in year five, they're only going to give me 14000 of that 21000 if I surrendered it. So be very clear on that. I always share that with clients like, this is a con, I know. I want you to be very clear and transparent. People sometimes, they like it when you show them what's wrong or mm -hmm. with the product versus just trying to hype it up like, this is the best thing out there, there's nothing else like it. There is no perfect investment. So I say, here are the cons, right? But I'm not marketing for you for this purpose. I want you to have coverage because this money that you're adding, so let's say you have $57,000, if you die, that 57000 gets added to that original 587 for 645000 that's 100% tax-free to beneficiaries, okay? Plus those living benefits. So let's just look down the road here. So when we get to retirement, we didn't die. We put $270,000 of our own money over 30 years, which based on an average, right, just shy of 7%, I got $565,000. So what that allows this person to do, if they want to, they can turn on a pension, a lifetime income stream, which would be $37,000 a year, tax-free for the rest of their life, no matter how long they live. So if you look at it, it's like I put in 270,000, in my first 10 years, I've already pulled out 100,000 more than what I put in over 30 years. And if I still died at age 74, and I've already taken on my money, tax-free, I still pass on $541,000 as a tax-free death benefit to my beneficiaries. Spouse, kids, you know, charity, any of that. This is huge, guys, right? People love this plan because of the, its flexibility. It's multifaceted, multi-purpose, you know, that there's so much things you can do with it. How does an insurance company make money off this? Cost of insurance processing fees, right? So if you look at the first 10 years, really, cost of insurance cuts in half. If I put in $66,000, even while earning interest, look at my cash value. What's the difference? Not only was I earning money, but I still am not even equal to what I put in. That's that's what the money's, that's where the insurance company's making the money. So they it's a front-loaded product, <coughs> meaning, front-loaded means that the insurance company's like, we're gonna make our money up front. And insurance companies make a ton of money on these because most people do surrender because they don't have a long-term mentality. So when they surrender, it's like, well, we kept the money, right? But they're also, they pay us, okay? So it doesn't come from the client's account. The company pays, right? So this is why, you know, we get paid very well for these things. So when the client cancels, the insurance are like, well, we lost our investment because we, we paid the agent money. The client is no longer keeping on the books, so we need to recoup our investment if we want to stay in business. Does that make sense? So I always tell people that, right? So I don't say this. This is not meant to be like, man, in 10 years, this is going to be the sexiest thing you've ever seen. I'm like, this is long term, right? So you have to position it accordingly to the client. Right? And so many people, especially baby boomers, what are baby boomers like about this? Security. Security, how? Because the floor is zero. They don't yep. have to worry about their money losing. Yep, that's a big one. Mm -hmm. What's the other thing? Lifetime income. Right, lifetime income is one. It's not the main thing though. Living benefits. Mm -hmm. Living benefits are important. For baby boomers especially, mm -hmm. because baby boomers have been around long enough to see that I had a family member, a close friend that I saw go through hell and back for this medical crisis. 
financially and emotionally. And you know what? I got to make sure. Like uh, younger people, that's it. Like I want that. Like why? Instead of the, you know, my mom died from cancer. My brother died from cancer. And it's because something really close to them hit home. And I saw when, when you don't have these things in place, not only the emotional burden of, of what that does to somebody, but the financial burden that is on top of that. I want to make sure I'm good. And this is huge, guys. This is what we do. So that's IUL. That's one of many other things that we do, but this is a huge one. But do you, do you guys, especially Nupia, do you see the value in that? Right? Absolutely for long term. It's a long term vehicle, right? So we say it's the end all be all? No. Right? And there's many times that if someone doesn't have a long term horizon, then we're not for them. But what are people doing for their long for their future self? Right? This is something you gotta and we're not saying that you need to go put all your money in this. Is you should be saving at least ten percent of your income into a put and keep and a put and take type of account. And this is a put and keep. So that being said, we went over a little bit. What'd you guys get from today? That was good. Good, just kind of drilling in. You know, yeah. the six steps and also uh, tax now, tax for tax advantage. I want to make sure uh, that I got that down by the back of my hand. So I want to work on that. So. You feel better about it? like okay, I'm starting to really grasp everything more, which I see that man, right? How about you, Anthony? Yeah, I like seeing this stuff in here. Right. Yeah, we're gonna drill that man. We have our time. Like those, those are things that what you see is we're gonna drill more here in the office. Like okay, do it to each other, share it, right? It's, it's got to become muscle memory. Sorry, what you get, bud? We're bringing Wall Street to Main Street. Yeah. And I think we're the right people to do it. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love all of this. Right. Awesome, man. What'd you get from today, man? Thanks yeah. for coming. Yeah, no problem at all. Appreciate you having me. Um, definitely the educational piece, um, for sure. You know, there's definitely an opportunity to uh, to open a lot of eyes. You know, mm -hmm. I feel before, you know, a lot of people were blind, and, you know, now that people are becoming awake, it's, you know, where do I go? And there's so many bad pieces of information out there. You know, I'm as we first talked, I'm a rabbit hole person. Show me a rabbit hole, and I'm going to jump down it. Mm -hmm. But how many bad rabbit holes do people that <laughs> don't, you don't know what you don't know, and mm -hmm. if someone's teaching you bad stuff, you don't know that. Um, so really a platform to be able to teach off of is an amazing thing. And, you know, I learned mostly about the, um, just the different stuff with the IULs, diving into that. <clears throat> good. Good, 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 right? Kimberly, what'd you get from today? Overwhelmed? <laughs> 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 no, I, I think honestly, the biggest takeaway right now at this moment is asking myself about these taxes because from an emotional place, um, I am not clear on how I feel about that or how I feel about taxes in general. Is this going to something? Is I think in my subconscious, I believe that not paying enough taxes or trying to cut back on taxes is cutting back on giving to others. That's mm -hmm. my immediate relationship to that. Mm -hmm. So people trying to cut back on their taxes is them not wanting to give to those who need it. And so therefore, because of that correlation, I have a very negative response to this idea of cutting back on taxes. Mm -hmm. So if I am going to be jumping into this, I know for a fact I need to clear that avenue and really accept or believe or whatever you want to call that um, that that is not the case, that that That's is good. misperception. I feel confident I could challenge that. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, but that's think. just my immediate right now what I'm thinking about. It's, uh, when you give to a nonprofit, you can deduct that from your taxes? Correct. 
So you pay less taxes. That would be strange. I would love to see like <laughs> giving giving to a nonprofit, and then that, I don't want to deduct it. It's like American Cancer Society. You give them a thousand dollars, and you earn forty thousand dollars. Your okay. taxable income now is thirty nine thousand. Correct. So you're paying less yes, taxes yes. technically, but you did a very good cause in giving to the American Cancer Society. Um, so it's like that balance, and you know, it's government agencies are there's too much fat. My uncle, he works for New York State. He is a surveyor. He gets all his work for the quarter. He finishes that in a month. You know what okay. he does for the other two months, three months? Watches Netflix. Because <laughs> that's what he's directed to do. If he does more so work, he gets fired. So oh what you're saying oh is God. directing your money towards a good that you choose Correct. is more beneficial yep. than giving it to something that where most of it just seeps out mm. and yeah, is what you're knows. saying. Mm. Who knows where it goes. So you don't true. feel that being it's anti-American or anti like you're not being because that's my immediate reaction is that you're not being grateful for the country that you live in by deducting by keeping taxes no interesting for we're, we're, we're taxed on everything you know yeah. what I mean and this is sort of like this is mine like stop you know don't tax me on it it's this is my nest egg for my family at the end of the day yeah. you know it's your husband and you know your future kids it's like do you want to leave them with something or do you want to give what you earn to everybody. And it's like, no, I don't want to do that. Like, yes, I still want to help people, but I'm going to help them through education for the system like this versus, you know, not paying taxes. So well said. that's my opinion. Mm -hmm. but yeah, no, definitely. It's just last thing. This could be a podcast up today, you know? It's going to be one. <laughs> Being married to a European <laughs> as well, yep. there's, you know, there's that constant debate about the social contract and you know what I'm saying? So is it better? Look at them, look at his mom going through cancer and being completely taken care of because of what people have given to the general good. So I'm just, you know, um, Yeah, they're so good, they're so good. There's, there's some good things that we could talk about there, you know, and there's a lot of what you're saying I agree with. I mean, I just know that I need to become clear in yeah. my own head, you know, if I'm going to be giving this advice to people. Yeah. You're also going to be helping a lot of not super wealthy people who are paying a ton of money. So they're like the, the people making less money in, the, in this country are paying a ton of taxes while the higher people are paying. They, they're trying to do all these so taxes. You're even a little bit more even, even, even the playing field. Yeah. yeah, no, understandable. What'd you get, man? I love the different perspectives. Yeah. yeah. I that gets so, awesome. gets me excited, man. I just love to see everybody's point of view. And um, I'm thankful, man. I'm thankful for 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 what we're doing. Yeah. At the end of the day, it was, uh, I, I learned a lot today. And I think, um, you know, this is this has to be something that everybody has to do all the time exactly. because it reveals a lot of information that most individuals don't mm. don't get and sometimes mm. I think I get pampered with this information and I feel like everybody knows this but they don't so yeah. it motivates me it motivates me to have more of these conversations yeah. that's how I feel as of now it's like it just motivates me to do like a great video go post it and get a ton of comments and then get in these different point of views because it's, it's so, so important. Mm. I love it. I like it. So, guys, thank you so much for your time. Great weekend. Uh,